Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Good for a Weekend, the podcast where two friends talk about Taylor Swift. I'm Cressy Cornus, and I'm MK Ashford. And it is time for us to talk about Taylor Swift's 10th album, Midnight's. It is finally time. We've had time to digest, and I cannot wait to talk about it. We are going to go over her stats and all of the 73 records she broke. Yes, it's 73. We are going to go through our highs and lows of the album. We're going to discuss what we got right and what we got wrong. And as always, we will end with our nightmares and daydreams. So with that said, MK, do you want to start us off with the first stat and we'll just go rapid fire through them? Yeah, we can do that. So Midnight's earned more than 1.578 million equivalent album units in the U.S. through its first week, which made it the biggest album since Reputation in 2017. Do you want to break that down, what that means as equivalent album units, Cressy? Yeah, so this data, everything that we're about to share with you is all from Billboard's website. So that is 549. 26 million streaming and digital downloads, 395,000 CDs, and 575,000 vinyls. Isn't that insane? That is crazy. I always wondered how they made that equivalent from streams. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was. You can go to the website if you want to really see the breakdown because what I just listed definitely does not equal the big number. There, there's a lot more to it. It's very scientific, but those are the big numbers you should know. Okay, that's crazy. Okay, next, according to Billboard, on October 22nd, just one day after its release, Midnight's has the single largest sales week for a vinyl album since Luminate began tracking such sales in 1991. The previous high was Harry Styles' Harry House, which debuted with 182,000 sold earlier this year. So she smashed it. She, she quadrupled that number. Oh, yeah, she did. 182 to 575,000. That's insane. That is, that is wild. And you would think that Harry would be more neck and neck with her. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In the year 2022, Midnight's is already the top-selling album. It's been, like, a week, which is insane. The previous top album of 2022 was Harry Styles' Harry's House, which sold 633000 up to this point. So this wasn't his debut week's number. This is how much he sold, like, this entire year. So that's also crazy how she's tripled that number in a week. Wow. Okay, that really just shows her power. <laughs> and... Yeah. According to Metacritic, it currently holds a score of 85 out of 25 reviews. Yes. If you guys have never seen Metacritic, it is uh, an album site where you can see the compilation of all of the critics' reviews. So like Pitchfork, New York Times, um, blanking on other names, but they average all of them. So this is the average of all of her critics' reviews, 85. Okay. Taylor is also the first artist in history to have all 10 spots in the Billboard Hot 100 right now. She beat Drake, who had nine previously. This is also the first time that no man has been in the Billboard Hot 100 top 10. Isn't that crazy? Not a single man. That is actually a really crazy stat. And the fact that she did that on her own, I mean, it would be awesome to see multiple women in the yeah. top 10 without a man. But that, that it honestly blew my mind when I saw the top 10 come out yeah. on Instagram. It's who would have known this was even possible? No, I, I no, I would never have guessed that that would happen. No. no. I mean, obviously, I would imagine her whole album would be on the 100, but 
not claiming the entire top 10. And it's not that she's the first woman, because that's typically what her record is, is. She's the first woman to do this. She's the first woman to do this. It's like, no, like, all time. This is all time. Yeah. Crazy. I know. I really like it. And I, I wish they would say that more, like, the first artist of all time. But I feel like they always, yeah. like, stress the fact that she's a woman, too. But... Anyway, I digress. Speaking of women, Taylor now ties Barbara Streisand for the most number one albums amongst women. Um, (laughs) That is absolutely wild. Like, Barbara Streisand is a legend. In addition to Barbara Streisand, she also joins The Beatles, Jay-Z, Drake, and Bruce Springsteen as artists with more than 10 number one albums. Also crazy. That's like five people. Yeah, that's wow. Those, and those are just the most iconic people, too. That's, like, I I mean, I always, in my mind, she's amongst those people, but it's so interesting when you find out that the world really views her the same way we do. Yeah, the world actually revolves around her. <laughs> her power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Taylor now also has the most top 10 songs among women in the charts history with 40 she beat out madonna whose previous record was 38 songs um and now she has the most top 10 songs amongst women she's only behind drake now who has 59 top 10s so we can beat that with the next album i think we can i i'm within the next album or two new album not re-recording i think drake's going down unless his upcoming album is like a smash hit Nah, it won't be. (laughs) Lastly, on October 21st, Midnight's became Spotify's most streamed album in a single day, which we saw coming. We knew this was going to happen. I mean, I guess I knew this was going to happen, but I was also very shocked by that stat, too, when it came out. Like, it's just insane to think about how much consumption that is. Yeah, and it's also crazy because prior to this, I think I was among the people who said we would never have another million sales week again. Because even Taylor didn't do that with Lover. I thought with Reputation, that was the last time we would see an artist sell over a million copies because people don't buy CDs anymore. And Lover didn't do it. But this did it like by a lot. This outsold Reputation. It outsold 1989. It obviously it outsold folklore and evermore because those aren't pop but uh, this is crazy but we do need to put some respect on 1989's name that 1989 was not on streaming for quite a long time oh my gosh i often forget that she wasn't streaming before yeah that was physical copies what a tough time in life buying it from itunes and radio play only so now let's get into what we got right and what we got wrong I low-key called it. I said it for like a (laughs) second. I was like, I'm feeling 80 simp. And I said it was only because of blue eyeshadow. But damn, I was right. You were right. And I was very wrong that I was thinking this was going to be um, more classic Rocky, I guess. I don't remember my exact words. I think I said I thought this was going to have a vintage vibe. Yeah. And it really does not. And I find that... I don't want to say odd, but I do think her promo for this album didn't does not really match the sound. Um, it doesn't, but also I found people on TikTok pointing out that her promotion online was very 70s um yes. laid back, but then when she was out making appearances, she was very glitz glammed up. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that contrast really meant anything more than that's her personal style in a comfortable setting versus out on the red carpet she wants to like pop off right now but um I did find people noticing that and I think that I guess we should have been paying more attention to what she was doing in public yeah because I think that all of the glitz and the glam is giving bejeweled it was very poppy pop star vibes we had one feature which we did not predict um I am a little surprised by the feature, especially that it was Lana Del Rey, which it turned out she wasn't even truly a feature. I'm sorry. We'll I hate get when into she that says later. that. I know. But anyway, uh, we were wrong. But we about did get that. a feature. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> it's, 
Yeah, in a way, were we wrong? I don't think we were. I didn't hear her <laughs> voice, not once. Yeah, I'm not sure if I have heard Lana yet. I haven't picked up on it yet. Need to keep listening. Okay. Let's go through the songs now. We're okay. not going to spend a ton of time dissecting the lyrics, getting into the nuances, and just like being like, who do you think this song is about, MK? We don't have time for all of that. We're just going to go through our songs. reactions and what we like and dislike, our, our, our highs, our lows, and how we feel. Yeah, I'm good with that. So let's start with Lavender Haze, the opener to Midnight's. I oh my gosh okay if we're like trying to give reactions right now I remember turning that on and my jaw just dropped I could feel the whole vibe of the album from the first song it's a killer intro track like amazing the fact that she starts it off with meet me at midnight I love it um I think it's it's perfect and it's lived up through the past week and a half yeah I it's still yeah. one of my top songs I really like it I think this is one of Taylor's strongest openers I do too out of all 10 albums I think this is uh it, it could be her strongest uh except for State of Grace I, that might be a little bit stronger for me not even Welcome to New York for you no okay okay I think Lavender Haze I don't know for me, I judge an opening song based on how it sets the tone for the album. So, like, State of Grace, yes. definitely in the top for me. Um, Welcome to New York is in the top for me just because it sets such a perfect poppy tone for 1989, just like Lavender Haze. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to contrast that, Cardigan is one of my favorite songs. Wait, Cardigan was number, number two. The one two. was number one. Mm-hmm. That one was always different because she released Cardigan, like, five minutes before Folklore. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the one. Oops, that also means I don't really like that song. So, there we go. (laughs) Um, No, I think it's a great opener. And I totally agree. It sets the stage for the album perfectly. So now let's get into Maroon, her second song. I like Maroon. I know that you have a controversial opinion about Maroon, but it it offends me. When I listen to it, I think about you texting me saying that you don't (laughs) really like it. I'm so sorry. And, and I think about it, but then it makes it even better because I'm like, she's so wrong. And it's okay that I'm wrong. I'm never going to yuck anybody's yums, but this is one of the lows for the album for me. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the production. I'm not a big fan of the snare drum, I think. Um, the chorus is very simple, which I don't love. Um, How do you yeah. think that's simple? The rhythmic, like, the rhythm of the second half of the chorus to me is, like... The ugh. bridge is great. Love like the bridge. Butter. If the whole song sounded like the bridge, I would like it. Okay, the bridge, to me, is a low. Okay, so we're balancing each other out right now. This is good. This is why G-Faw is not an echo chamber. We're, we have different ideas, and that's okay. The legacy part? That's what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I just pulled out the lyrics to make sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. I see I don't love that part. That's a that's my least favorite part of the song. But I really like that song. Okay. But again, I'm never gonna yak anybody's jumps. A lot of people love this song. I've been hearing this song on TikTok. I would love to see a music video with this song. it's just not my favorite. For me also, I think that in the flow of talking about the way Lavender Hayes sets a tone for the album, I think that having Maroon follow it up sets the undertone for the album. Okay. If that makes sense. Because Lavender Hayes is so poppy. It's a little about love. It's a little about herself. But I think having Maroon second and kind of being mm-hmm. like, but we're going to get a little dark. And I will add, I've pulled up all of the lyrics right now. And Maroon on a Genius has 1.1 million views, and that's the highest of the entire album. So people are looking at the lyrics to the song. Okay. Well, it might be because that middle part of the chorus is kind of, it goes quick, you know? Yeah. But I really like that song. Okay, okay. so number three, Antihero. I love Antihero. It is I love such a standout. It. It's so I love good. the music video. Uh, so with with the uh, evil tailors 
drinking like the little tiny bottle of wine. Yes. So cute. Okay, I listened to the album eight hours late. It was a saga. I had to work overnight on a third shift. And so my shift ended at 8 a.m. and I got in the car and started listening to it then. And so I had already seen everyone throughout the night in the morning hyping up Antihero. And I was so nervous because I was like, this is not going to live up to what everyone's saying this is. Like, everyone was obsessed with it. And then it really did live up. I love it when she's a little cheeky, a little silly. But she, I mean, it's almost sad. Like, it, it really is. She she really went in on herself. Yes. I saw someone, I think it was on Reddit, compare this song to Blank Space and the way that it's very introspective in a cheeky way. I don't think mm-hmm. it's like a satire in the same way that Blank Space is. But yeah. I do think this is criticizing herself very similarly. And I like that a lot. Yeah, I really love it because compared to the last song with, that I think was probably her most honest about herself would be Mirrorball. Mm-hmm. I, I like how this one is almost even more critical, but it, it, it flips it a little bit and makes it a little bit more relatable and mm-hmm. cheeky. It's fun. Fun. Yeah. And I we got to talk about the music video. I had the craziest crossover episode watching the music video with my hobbies because of the comedians in it so one of the comedians in it he's the one who says um she's laughing up at us from hell that's mike berbiglia Mm -hmm. and i had tickets to see him the day after this music video came out isn't that crazy i was like whoa 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 whoa!" i was like what is mike doing here like i'm about to see you buddy and he it was just like my worlds were colliding i it made me so happy to know that taylor is friends with him which makes sense because he's good friends with jack antonoff but it was a major worlds Mm. colliding moment for me and i loved it that is so funny i love that i really liked the music video too i liked how i don't know she looked really hot in her like mean version of herself it's like you look so good right now being so mean to yourself when she was smashing the guitar oh my goodness but I also liked that they were like taking shots and stuff she's just so silly and I like when she lets a little bit more loose and we can kind of see into her life I also want to briefly touch on the sexy baby line oh god are you gonna talk about my voice memo to you (laughs) MK and I like to send each other voice memos And MK did ask me, like, she did not just say sexy baby, right? And I'm going to. And I couldn't (laughs) look up the lyrics. (laughs) And I'm going to explain to y'all what I explained to MK. If you have not already looked this up and heard for yourself, uh, sexy baby is a term referring to a certain type of woman who uh, invokes the imagery of a little girl in order to be sexy. So it's a woman who is sexualizing a little girl. There's a reference to it in 30 Rock. Uh, A lot of articles about this song say that Taylor is specifically referencing 30 Rock. We don't know that for sure. This is like a term. So uh, we don't know if she's actually referencing the Tina Fey show or if she's just using the term sexy baby. But uh, if you need... An imagery. I think on my voice note to you, MK, I was like, imagine like a Hello Kitty tank top with like giant boobs. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what I used as the example. Like lollipops, pigtails. It makes sense. Like thigh highs and like bending over and like talking in a baby voice as like a little girl. Like something an adult shouldn't do because they are literally sexualizing little girls. Yes. It's gross. And Correct. then the next line is, and I'm the monster on the hill. So she's saying like she's old. Yes, kind of like over the hill. Yeah, she's not yeah. acting like a baby. She's acting her age. Yeah, well, which makes her, her a monster. Yeah, it's so sad that she feels that way. But also, every time I hear that line, it's still a little jarring. <laughs> I'm not quite used to it. Yeah, but I did love all the Halloween costumes of people dressing up as sexy babies. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah. I was so happy to see all of the Midnight's related costumes online i hope if you're listening you saw them too because there were so many great ones and like midnight's had been out for a week people put in the work and i'm just makes me so tickled it was so impressive okay so let's get to my first low of the album number four yeah snow on the beach quote unquote featuring lana del rey i agree with mk this is my biggest low for the album okay okay 
I've gotten a little, it's, it's climbed up for me. I like it it's a gotten little worse for me. bit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the more I listen to the lyrics, the more I'm like, oh, no. See, I like all the lyrics, except. Oh, I wonder if this is going to be the one I'm going to talk about. What is Weird it? Weird but fucking beautiful. Okay. Uh, that's not the one I'm specifically calling out, but I agree with that one. I just think the lyrics are so weak and surface level. Like, I would yeah. love for it to go deeper, but like, Snow on the Beach, weirdly fucking beautiful. That's just so surface level. And I know Taylor and Lana Del Rey together can do so much better. So I'm disappointed. I think I might get flamed for this. I don't love Lana Del Rey. I've tried. But to me, her lyrics are like she's just trying to sh- like throw you off for shock factor, yeah. like shock value. And that's what I feel like this is. Like there was just absolutely no reason for an F word in this moment. And yeah. the words around it aren't even like weird and beautiful or just such plain words that the F word doesn't even. There's no depth. Yeah. It doesn't make it deeper. It doesn't make it hit harder. It's just like plain to me but the rest of the lyrics I do like so I hate that one little part of it kind of throws me off and it's basically the biggest lyric because it's the beginning of the chorus so yeah that's my thoughts what was the lyric that you said you didn't like okay so I'll start with one that I like I like now I'm all for you like Janet I like that line I think it's cute Love a Janet Jackson reference. I love how in that bridge, all the last words go up and then yes. can it goes down. Yes, the bridge I, is excellent. That is so satisfying to me. And the pause. And then when they and say, then it goes are we right falling? right into weird but fucking beautiful. Right back into it. I know. I, but the way they say, are we falling is so good. I wish it would just stop there. <laughs> so now the lowest lyric on the entire album for me. Oh, gosh. Okay. It might be one of the worst Taylor has ever sang. My flight was awful. Thanks for asking. (laughs) Girly pop, you have two private jets. And like a month ago, you were being canceled for being a climate criminal. And you're singing about your flight being awful. I can't. I can't do it. That might be what ruins the song for me. It I might think be. she's trying to be relatable. It's not. Honestly, when I hear that, I'm like, all flights are pretty awful. Thanks you have asking. two private jets. <laughs> not one. Two. Okay. That's fair. So that's that's so I funny. I haven't out. even thought about that. I literally didn't even <laughs> consider that. All right, let's move on from Snow on the Beach, quote-unquote featuring Lana Del Rey, (laughs) to also another high for me, You're on Your Own, Kid. This is a a career high for me. It is... I I don't know if I can even find the words to say how much I love it. It's hard to figure out how to put into words how good it is. It reminds me of August, but stronger. The way like it begins, summer went away. Still, the yearning stays. Mm-hmm. I like it's like a little breathy. I like that. Yeah. I was so confused when it started, and I was like, "This is the track five? because it had kind of a beat and it was a little, I don't know, like not emotional at first. So you're kind of like, mm-hmm. "Okay, this is weird," and then it just it, it builds to that bridge. I mean, the obviously bridge. the bridge is the whole song like that's what makes it incredible i gave my blood sweat and tears for this i hosted parties and starved my body like i'd be saved by a perfect kiss the jokes weren't funny i took the money i mean i looked around in a blood-soaked gown i yeah it's one of her best bridges of all time yeah everything you lose is a step you take make the friendship bracelets take the moment and taste it (laughs) <laughs> got it's no good. reason to be afraid it's so sweet and oh my god it's just so relatable it's so relatable even though it's all specifically about her life i find ways to relate to it and that is the genuine magic of taylor swift i feel like this song is just so earnest in the same way that seven is earnest but almost it's like seven but stronger you know and i love seven yeah, I do too. Just like in like the way really that it's made me like it. Yeah. It really is. And oh my god, it's just so good. 
I could talk about it forever, so let's move on. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about another album high for me, Midnight Rain. I love Midnight Rain. I do really like it, but for me, it's riding in the middle. To me, this sounds like a track from Melodrama, which is one of my all-time favorite albums, so I think that's why I love it mm-hmm. so much. But I love the chorus with the deep voice. That's actually Taylor's voice. If you speed it up, it's 100% her. Oh, and yeah. I, I love the weird like voice synth. I, I really like it. I Yeah, I really do. I like it. It's not that it's the weirdness around it that kind of... It's not like anything bothers me. It's just... Maybe it's just because it's so short and it the lyrics short. are a little repetitive. I also think... This is slightly introspective, not in the same way as some of the other songs on this album, but Chasing That Fame, he stayed the same. She's like, no, like I wanted to keep growing and this person didn't. So I I moved on and I like that. Or like, he wanted a bride. I was making my own name. I do really like that line a lot. Yeah, I I like it. Or he he never thinks of me except for when I'm on TV. Mm -hmm. One day I'm going to be able to relate to that one. (laughs) I do. Okay, I do also really like the... Uh, I do also really like the lyric about Christmas. Yeah, that one just like she kind of has a, a flow, you know. She's she she's done really well with her uh, rhythmic verses on this album, and I really like that one. It's satisfying to the ears. Yeah. Well, now yeah. let's get into this and another song that we haven't gotten into yet. Might be my favorite song on the album. Oh, he's making a face. Question. Question. I. Also, I it might be obsessed. one of my favorites. I'm uh, so it, obsessed with this song. It's This and Karma are my top. Okay. Okay. It, it starts with, I remember, Out of the Woods. We are starting from the get-go. We are back in the 1989 era. And I think that might be why I love this song. Because everything about this song is so 1989 era. It's got the all you had to do was stay, Out of the Woods vibes, good girl sadcity. It's so good. It's so I'm good. Like, I'm speechless right now. Good Girl Faith in a Tight Little Skirt from Style. I mean. I really like this song. Big City, Wrong Choices. Welcome to New York. I love it so much. I Yeah, I really love this song. And I really like how the internet has kind of concluded that when she says, (laughs) oh, she sang it in the way where you ask a question. And when they answer, you already know the answer. Like, oh. "Oh." Yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. Just a question. (laughs) It's so good. And that honestly kind of gave me even more appreciation for it. But I, I also really love this song. And okay, this is a way a way that I think a random F word is used correctly. Yes, I agree. Because this song, I we might have talked about this. I actually think I talked about this with Hannah before the album came out. And I saw this title. My thought was that title question dot dot dot. Reminds me of a text you get at, like, midnight, and you're like, oh, shit. Like, what is this? You know, if you ever get a text that's just question, Mm -hmm. and it's obvious that person's, like, been drinking. Yes. This is what that song reminds me of. Like, the way she's just, like, wording things, like... Yeah, it's, like, flippant. She was on your mind with some dickhead guy. It was one drink after another fucking politics and gender roles, and you're not sure, and I don't know. It just, if this feels like a drunken conversation, that's, like... I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it too. I and also really relatable. I don't know. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I really yeah. like it. I don't know how she does it when she's so specific, but you're like, oh, but I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mm-hmm. love it. All right, so vigilante shit. Not at all what I expected in the middle of this album. It came on and I was a little shocked. It's hard for me to say because I'm like such a reputation girly Uh but the way that this is so reputation I don't know if it fits right in this album but I also appreciate it for being a a standout like its own little thing in the very middle I don't know what do you think because I also really love the lyrics I like how it's storytelling vibes I love it but some reason it's just not clicking for me okay I have a theory on that I think it's the production on it so like the lyrics are fun, they're they're up they're kind of upbeat. It's like cutesy. Yeah. But the instrumental part of it is so stripped back and like plain and I'll say it a little boring and repetitive. 
I think it's the production on this song. Uh, that's for me what I dislike because I think it could be really fun if it was like um, if it had the same heightness as like a like a don't blame me. But this it's just so stripped back. But I also like understand why she did it. Yeah, I get it. So. But I I don't love it. It doesn't work for me. I mean, I still listen to it. I don't skip it. But um, I don't love it. I, I and that's the thing is I do love it i just i don't know okay it also needs something random, more it needs like one more little something but i do really like how she slows it down on the bridge and like ladies always rise above ladies know what people want i love that yeah. like someone's sweet and kind and fun but the ladies had enough like i really like how that kind of draws back to mad woman mm-hmm. and not to like speculate on who she's writing songs about but I think this one's a little obvious and I also I think I texted you this but this song feels like the most satisfying sequel to Mad Woman ever yes because she directly references cheating in Mad Woman and then she directly references cheating in this one and I really like it I do love the line, picture me thick as thieves with your ex-wife. I like the way that flows off the tongue. I love that line. And she looks so pretty driving in your bins. Oh, I like, yeah, I like those. It's fun. Yeah. It does bother me, though, how she says, I don't dress for friends because I've never heard anyone say that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That just, like, doesn't really make sense to me. Who would be, like, dressing for their friends? I wish she would have just said men again. I'm really nitpicking here. All right, let's move on. Album high, Bejeweled. Oh my God. The music video is so, it's everything I wanted and more. When I, when we saw that we were getting a Bejeweled music video, I thought it's going to be her serving looks, but this one has a full plot and I love a plot music video. This music video made me feel like this song to her is about returning to pop after having a yeah. folklore evermore era and being like, no, I can still bring it. Like, I can still do this. And she did. She did that. <laughs> and when she's in the martini glass, like, that needs to be framed in my house. That needs to, if Taylor Nation, if you're listening, please put that on a sweatshirt after you ship me my signed vinyl still haven't got that by the way it's been a couple weeks Hmm. um no i love this song and when i first heard it i kind of thought i wasn't gonna like it because it was so bubblegum pop and that is how i feel about how you get the girl i don't like that song it's too poppy Mm -hmm. it's too sweet for me and when i heard this song come on that's exactly where my mind went i was like oh i'm not gonna like this but then the more i kept listening to it the more i was like this is sassy i love it and then the internet kind of took it and ran with it and then the music video and now i'm obsessed with it i completely agree the first time i heard this song i was like oh that's cute and then like i kept going with the album but as i returned to it i fall in love with it more and more and more and i love the line do you have a man i could still say i don't remember i love that Love yeah, that. every time Cute. I think about that line, or when I'm in my car, I feel like I see her like playing dumb and kind of like putting her finger on her face and being like, "Hmm, can't remember." Yeah, like it's cute, it's so cute. Then let's move on to karma. So what is there to say? MK and I are just like screaming at each other silently into the FaceTime <laughs> camera right now because it's it's that good. I love karma. I love it so much, like, especially because, you know, we were all expecting after the years and years and years of pouring over the thought of karma. And we all thought it was going to be so more like vigilante shit. We thought it was going to be so dramatic and intense. And she was like, no, like, me and karma vibe like that. Like, I'm good. I'm on the good side of karma. And it's, it's like the saying of truly getting back at someone the best revenge is living well that's the yes that's the thing and i think that that's where she was kind of taking her inspiration from because the song is just so like satisfying to like yeah i'm a good person so i win 
It reminds me a lot of the line, your nemeses will defeat themselves before you'll ever get the chance to. This is like that song. Mm-hmm. This is what came from that because it's so true. Before you even get the chance to swing, baby. And they keep mm-hmm. going. They keep going for it. So it's really Tay Voodoo. Listen to our Tay Voodoo episode if you haven't. This is that song. Tay Voodoo, she owns karma. The The whole concept is, is hers. I think sonically i love the way she sings aren't you envious that for you it's not and i love sweet like honey but those two together it's just like the way it flows in my ears it's perfection like the way i was saying that i put so much emphasis on lyrics and singing them in my car when i sing aren't you envious that for you it's not i put all of me into that line every time in my car i feel like i'm looking at someone that i genuinely hate and i'm like isn't it sad that your life is going to suck because you did? <laughs> like, oh my god, it's so good. And I really, really, really like Karma is the guy on the screen coming straight home to me. And it's I love the so line fun. before that. Karma takes all my friends to the summit because all my friends are so successful and I love all my friends. I'm so glad you said that because I was going to ask you what that means. <laughs> I literally haven't even looked it up yet. All of your friends like going straight to the top like the summit like you they are peaking they are so successful my friends are making money they're beautiful they have great jobs they have good lives that's how i took it i thought the summit was the bottom that's my issue here oh so she's saying like karma takes all of my friends to the top with me and i love that because so true okay that's so fun all right i love i love Okay, Sweet Nothing. Oh my gosh, I really like this song. I really like it so much. I love the sing-songiness, too, in the beginning. It really just hooks you. It hooks you right in from the start. When she says the line about when he says, what a mind. Yeah, the poem part. You say, what a mind. This happens all the time. Yeah, that's my favorite I make that, like, silent crying face in my car every time. Just like, (laughs) like, it's so good. It's so sweet. And I also really like the bridge in this one. It, it reminds me of the lakes. It reminds me of the lakes, and it's nice to have a friend. Yes, especially the lines, uh, they said the end is coming, everyone's up to something, but like I, like I find myself running home to your sweet nothings. Because it's like, outside they're pushing a shove, like, everything's crazy, but like, you know, like I'm at the lakes, I'm good. And I like that. I like the peacefulness of it. To me, this song feels like the color yellow. It's just so warm and sweet and inviting, and I really love it. And I was afraid that it was going to get the treatment of It's Nice to Have a Friend, where I feel like people shit on that song, and it's not there because it's so tender. But I think this one is getting better reviews, which I am glad because it should be appreciated. I agree. So are you ready to chat Mastermind now? Yeah, the last track on the standard album. It's a top for me. I, this is mid for me. I I don't love or hate it. I think it's one of those songs that I, the more I listen to it, the more I think I'm going to like. But it's a little, it's a little, this is going to sound wrong. And you guys are going to hate me for saying this. Okay. It's like very Taylor Swifty. It is. You know what I mean? And I, it's like too like, yeah, I do Easter eggs and like stuff like, I don't know. It's giving me fan fatigue. I get what you mean. Yeah. It's like, it's like too much. It's too much for me. It, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Yeah. But I, I guess I never really think about it in the way of her Easter eggs and her career, but more just like about how uh, like she's a, she adapts to fit in and kind of manipulate social situations. Yeah. Um, I do. I really like it. So, I don't know. I like it. I, sometimes the lyrics get a little clunky mm-hmm. in the chorus, especially in the last chorus when she says, like, you just smiled and... Yeah. I don't... It, it gets a little clunky, but the more I listen to it and I know the lyrics and it's easier for me to kind of sing along, I like it. And I like the yeah. beat. I think it's a perfect ending. I like it. It's a it's kind of a top one for me. So okay, I would say top five. Okay, cool. 
So how do you feel first in general about the 3 a.m. edition tracks as a whole? Like, do you think that that it, it's kind of correct? Like, it makes sense that they didn't make the album, but they're good on their own. Um, do you think some of them are better than some on the album? What do you, what do you think? I think they work as bonuses. I really do. When I was listening to them, I did think to myself, it makes sense that these didn't make the album. Um, like, to be honest, on first listen, they didn't all hit for me the way the the 13th do. Mm-hmm. For me, I really dislike bloated albums. Where it's like, some some of these should have been bonus tracks. Like, for me, mm-hmm. Lover is a bloated album. It's great. Mm-hmm. But, like, some of those songs should have been bonus tracks. It, it's just so long. I And I think if the initial album had been 20 tracks, that's just, like, too much. That's yeah that's a lot i'm glad she really honed in on what she wanted it to be because each of these kind of has a specific sound as well that i think would have thrown off the 13 yeah i agree the great war i think it belongs as a bonus track i appreciate it yeah i like the melody and the cadence of it i like all the flower references yeah the lyrics, it's so many words. It's almost like overwhelming when you think about it. Yeah. It's yeah, kind of heavy. It's a long song. Yeah. And and it's just like each chorus, the words change up a little bit. It's just a little, yeah, heavy on the words for me. Then let's go on to Bigger Than the Whole Sky. This belongs to me as a bonus track. I can see how this could be someone's fave. It's not mine. Yeah, to me, it is genuinely too sad to listen to, so I don't listen yeah. to it. That's how I feel with Soon You'll Get Better. Yeah. And I can see someone loving this song, and I get it, but for me, it's just, it's sad. It's sad. It's not for me. I gotta skip. Sorry. Paris. Yeah. Paris? Love I Paris. Also, I also thought it was gonna be too poppy for me on first listen. I was like, that is not it for me. No. But then the more I listen to it, the more I really like it. It's really fun. It's so cute. It reminds me, the instrumental part of it reminds me of the 1975. Oh. Okay, and I don't know if I went out of my way to hear that because they have a song called Paris. But the oh. begin it's just it reminds me of a nineteen seventy five song. And kind of lyrically it does a little bit. I, I like it a lot. And yeah. I love the opening verse. A lot of people don't like it. I've seen, oh, but like your ex friend's sister met someone in the club and he kissed her. Turns out he was just that guy you hooked up with ages ago. Some wannabe Z lister. I know that part. Like that makes me love the song, honestly. Oh, and I also really like the uh, bridge where she's like, I want to brainwash you into loving me forever. Yeah. Like how honest. Okay. <laughs> That's really Yeah, insane. This is what I wish Mastermind would have been. Yeah, I know. I really, I really like this song and I like the first ver- the first verse. I do think the first verse of the song, the line, and all of the outfits were terrible, 2003 unbearable. I think this may have single-handedly ended the Y2K trend. God, I hope so. I think it's time to end that. It's time to walk away. It's time to walk away, you guys. It's over. I think this, this is it. It's over. She said they're terrible and unbearable. Okay, so I'm about to really out myself right now. Yes. High Infidelity is like one of my favorite songs. We love a cheating Taylor. We well, your other favorite song is Getaway Car, so <laughs> they go hand in hand. I'm obsessed. Okay, so on Brian Licious's TikTok, one of our previous guests, friend of the pod, friend of the pod, um, he made a TikTok about how she like is feeding the cheating community on every <laughs> album, and it's just so good. Like it's so funny to me how she's like. Yeah, I cheated on Calvin Harris, but, like, he's an idiot, so. Yeah. <laughs> I just love it. He puts on his headphones. <laughs> I I sang this song with my whole chest. I love it. I like it, too. And I, um, before we move on, I do want to ask what you think she means by slur spoken. Do you think it's, like, drunkenly talking or, like, a literal no. slur? I think she would have to, like, mean a slur. I don't think she would have treaded that line if she didn't mean it. But I don't know what she means by that. So let's move on. Glitch. I love Glitch. I think it's really fun. I really like it. It's quirky. It's interesting. I love. I really like it. And I'm glad we finally have closure to those TikToks Taylor made with the glitching. 
It's like we finally got the answer. We finally got a song called Glitch, and we can move past it. Because I was getting real tired of it. That was the it was most... like two years of people being like, 1989. Well, she kind of set that up for herself. And that was the most ridiculous, yeah. obscure Easter egg of all time. Yeah. So, okay. It was set up well in advance. But yeah, I love Glitch. Okay. So the one track that we're probably really going to have to think about here. Would have, could have, should have. R.I.P. John Mayer. Uh, what was your first reaction to the song, MK? Hey guys, Bestie Cressy here with a quick input. At this point in the recording, it started hailing outside of MK's window. We apologize. Okay, honestly, first reaction, didn't love it. I think that I told you all the religious references were like a little weird for me. We did discuss this, yes. And I have a different perspective. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I feel like someone who did not grow up religious might not have caught every single one of them because they're in like almost every line it's intense yeah there's like the line you're a crisis of my faith and on my knees the righteous the tomb won't close the stained glass windows in my windows the tomb won't close yeah it was a lot and i was kind of like this is kind of weird and it's kind of like false god for me where like she like mixes sex and religion it makes me a little weird feeling but then the more I listened to it, the more I saw your perspective of it. And I like it a lot more now. And that bridge is just scrumptious. Yes. So let me share my perspective. In regards to the religious aspect of it, I, I see what you mean. But in my opinion, and we haven't discussed this. So she's talking about being 19, right? That's an age where you kind of start to question things in your life very much additionally religion if you grew up religious so i think a big reason why god and religion is such a big theme in this song is because that was a big theme in her life at 19 like battling those thoughts and being like what do i believe you know yeah but i i think for me it's more about the connotation of like the fact that she was having sex made her have a religious crisis I don't know. I guess I don't want to get into that, but just, yeah. I don't, I don't think even if people are religious that they should always feel shame for that. Yeah. And I took it as like, she was already like struggling with those feelings Yes, because she's 19 and that's what 19 year olds think about. They're like finally out of the house and away from their parents and they don't have to go to church every Sunday, you know? Yeah. And when I started thinking about it more as a general older guy extremely young girl song i started appreciating it a lot more and kind of what they take from you yes exactly i view this as a universal girlhood experience not specifically being 19 and hooking up with 32 year old man like not that specific but i mean in the way that when you are a teenager And you do some things or some things happen to you and you get older and you look back and you're like, what the fuck was that? Like, that was not okay. That was not normal. I am not okay with any of that that happened. Like, what? Yeah. And almost at first it was like too sad for me to listen to. I was skipping it for a minute because it genuinely made me sad. Even when I got past the religious stuff, it's just really sad. It makes me angry. But then it made me angry. Yeah. And I know. For I me, love it's it. anger. Yeah. It's like pure, like, feminine anger. Thinking about your girlhood being taken away by a bad relationship situation or encounter with someone, it doesn't sound as dramatic as she's expressing it to be. But when you truly, like, grow up being taught to kind of all your media is kind of teaching you to believe that I guess believe the best in people yeah and and just be kind of like sweet and kind and fun you know yeah like vigilante shit she says like that's what women are and then when something happens to you where you don't feel that way anymore and you're all your hope for the world and the way you thought you were going to view things because of all the media you consumed and you have you've never 
been burned and and yeah you have all this hope for what love is and what life is and the first time that that's kind of taken away from you it yeah it's 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 yeah it's it's a universal experience for for people yeah honestly anyone it's it's when girls become sentient of the fact that we can breathe and it becomes sexualized like overtly like disgustingly sexualized and that's like or like realizing the most mundane thing that you were doing or like a simple conversation was like being sexualized by another person. And I, it's just, it is a loss of innocence. It's a loss of girlhood. It's a loss of trust in people. It's a feeling of being unsafe. Like I, it's, it sucks. And this song makes me angry and I hope all other women and girls out there of all ages, like listen to the song and they're like, yeah, this is fucked up that we have to go through like this literal trauma of just being in a woman's body. And I think the way she says, like, I, I wish you would have just let me wonder what it's like, because you know that in a way she, and yeah. she said the pain is heaven. She wanted that too. But ultimately because she was so young, it was his choice to make it happen. And she didn't know what was coming, and he shouldn't have exactly. done that to her. Wow. 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 Yeah. It's gross. And I love that she's 32, the same age. Finally, 10 albums into her career. She is just now the age that John Mayer was. I mean, honestly, if you don't understand the importance of an age difference, think about Fearless Taylor versus Midnight's Taylor. And that was the age difference yeah. that is wild that is how much he had to change between the age he when he was 19 to 32 like he was he was way too old for her yeah okay dear reader meh <laughs> do we even need to talk about it it's fine it's a low for me it's just it's very simple uh, I think it works as a bonus track. Uh, it's a little too simple for me, though. I love the second half. The first half is, is just, it's a slow build. And on some songs, that really works. Like, you're on your own, kid. But this one did not work for me. I do like the line, though. And if you don't recognize yourself, that means you did it right. Because that's literally Taylor being supportive of my January boob job. Okay. Well then, good. I'm glad you feel that way. You can listen to it in recovery. It'll be great. Yeah. You know, when I think about Dear Reader, I, and I'm thinking about the individual lines, I do really like them all for some reason. Yeah, it just doesn't come together for me in the right way, but I really like the second half. So, I don't know. Whatever. It's yeah. fine. So now that we've gone through all of the songs an hour into the episode, let's share our final thoughts and then we'll close out with our nightmares and daydreams. So what are your last final thoughts, MK? I love it oh my gosh i've heard people say that it this is for the rep folklore girls yeah and that's legit me this is like the mixture of all the things i love about her music in the past so i love it i don't know if it's my new favorite i have to sit with it much longer to make that decision it's too soon to like, tell maybe another year or two maybe another album i won't know yeah but i Oh, I love it. It's really up there for me in the rankings. I agree. I love it as well. I went into it worried that I wasn't going to like it. I don't know why. I've just been very jaded lately. Okay. So I went into it kind of cranky and it made me love it. You know, like it was like, no, you're going to like this. You like this a lot. You actually love this, Cressy. And it's just such a good reminder of why I'm a Taylor Swift fan and why we have this podcast because it's so fucking good. Yeah, you best believe she's still bejeweled. Yeah. You're going to love it. <laughs> I And I did. She got me. And again, I wasn't like jaded with Taylor. I'm just like jaded with life. Oh, okay. Yeah, I honestly, I think I had a little bit too high of hopes for it. And during my first listen, I was like, okay. Because it was just so not what I was really expecting. I did say I was expecting pop. But I don't know. I guess just her, her honesty how earnest the it self-reflectiveness, is self-reflectiveness and also the relatability silly the popness it's a the top 40ness of it all yeah and i think that yeah and she it just felt a little bit more like her 
like it felt like we really got to see her life. She started cursing more. She was talking about herself more. It was funny a little bit. I yeah. I think it's very fun. I really like it. It's very mature. Mature. Yeah, that's also true. Okay, so I think that wraps up our midnights chat. Yeah. So let's get into our nightmares and daydreams. If you are a first time listener, Nightmares and Daydreams is a segment MK and I do at the end of every episode where we share our highs and lows in pop culture. It is obviously a reference from Blank Space, Darling, I'm a Nightmare, Dressed Like a Daydream. So what do you think we should start with, MK, this week? Should we start with our nightmares or daydreams? Let's start with nightmares and you go first. Okay, my nightmare, some of you guys aren't going to like this and that's okay. I I was very underwhelmed and disappointed with Rihanna's comeback song. Oh yeah. I was excited. I was so excited for Lift Me Up. This was this is for the Black Panther Wakanda Forever movie that's coming out soon. And I, she hasn't had a song in 6 years and I was like, "All right, let's go. This might break t- like Taylor's top 10 next week. Like I am ready for this. This could be like the ninth, you know, like this this could be up there." And it's, it's not up there for me, you guys. It's it's a slow ballad, and I was expecting more. Okay. What's yours? Okay, as usual, mine is a little broad and conceptual. I don't know why. I can okay. never, like, nail down a specific, like, something that I consumed the way you do. Yeah. I don't think I consume anything, which is kind of sad. Okay, so in true MK style... It's it's a weird one. Nightmare? Halloween. It flopped this year. It, I had a great Halloween. Why did your Halloween blow? Maybe that's because everyone had a great Halloween and I just <laughs> didn't. So, okay, yeah. for me it was more about the Halloween because I work early, so I knew I couldn't do anything Monday night, and that was fine with me. So, Friday night, I just, like, went to Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios Orlando I'm a theme park girly for those who don't know. I live in Orlando. So I went to Halloween Horror Nights. Wasn't really feeling the vibes. Like, I was like, okay, Mm. yeah. But I I went to Halloween Horror Nights like seven or eight times this, Mm. in the past two months. So I was like, eh, okay, whatever. It's time to shake things up. Yeah. And so then on Saturday night, I thought I was going to like do Halloween things. And then I just didn't. And then me and my friend were like, I guess we'll just like go out. But then... Neither of us had costumes, so we just went out in clothes, and everyone else was dressed up in a costume, and we were like, well, now we feel kind of stupid. <laughs> and then Sunday, I didn't do anything, and Monday night, I made soup, and I didn't even get any trick-or-treaters, even though I live in a house. Aww. So, I don't know, kind of a flop. And I saw so many good costumes on TikTok this year, and the internet, like, I just feel ones. like everyone was really doing Halloween the right way this year, like hit the pop culture references exactly on the nose we're quick with the costumes from you know like the taylor swift stuff or the julia fox ones or whatever i thought Mm. everyone did great and i felt a little left out so maybe i'm just salty but halloween kind of flopped for me so anyway that's my nightmare you'll have more fun next year should i just go better yeah i will i'll make plans and i'll get a costume and everything should i just go straight into my daydream yeah, that was such a downer. We need to hear what's making you happy. I know. Okay, well, this is going to be extremely on the nose and extremely obvious. The Eras Tour, are you kidding me? Yes, uh, we're going to have an episode dedicated to this. So exactly. Don't you worry. A little teaser, but... if you will, but I'm, I mean, that is just obviously the daydream of, like, my past three or four I'm years. so, so <laughs> I mean, we haven't seen her since 2017. It's been five years, right? No, 2018. 2018. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, it's it been four years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We haven't gone this long without seeing her and uh, since the first time we saw her. Yeah, but we can't act like we've been to every tour just two, but that's okay. I'm sad. Yeah. I miss her. My daydream is Atlanta season four. I love Atlanta. I did not love season three, though. Season three, they go to Europe. And I'm like, this show is called Atlanta. What are they doing in Europe? 
And it just kind of lost a little bit of its magic to me. And that could be because I live in Atlanta and I like to see them like filming stuff in Atlanta and be like, oh, I know where that is, you know? So season four, they're back in Atlanta and it's, it's just amazing. Donald Glover brilliance. I'm very happy. Well, I always enjoy your recommendations. So maybe I will start that. Yeah. Very exciting. Okay. Well, I think we're done here. Yeah, I think we're done, though. <laughs> Our big comeback episode after um, we were cursed for a long time. But if you're in the Discord or anything, you'll understand that we've just been going through it back and forth. Yeah, so. MK had a huge move, starting a new job. I had strep, which went on forever. So I physically was unable to talk without coughing for like three weeks. But we're back. We're back, baby. Yeah, before that, I mean, I had the flu, I had a hurricane, a lot was going on, so. Yeah, and if you want to join the discussion, you can find links to all of our social medias in the show notes. We are GFA Weekend on everything except for TikTok, where we are Good for a Weekend podcast. There's also a link to join our Discord. That is where we are a giant group chat. That's where we have the most discussions, so if you have any thoughts on this episode, thoughts on um, my hot ticks. Share them in the Discord or comment them on our Instagram. Let's talk. We are a community. I love our community. I, I love the way that we come together. It's really special. And if you are listening, you're a part of that. So thank you. We love you. I agree. Really want to hype up the Discord. I love it. And I bet no one believes me when I say that because I rarely respond. But that's my personality, the person in a group chat who doesn't respond. Um, <laughs> but I really love reading it. And... Yeah, it's really fun to just be in a group chat, basically, of Swifties and and kind of discuss things as they pop up, you know, when they're in between episodes. So, very fun. Okay, bye, guys. Bye.